Feathers are flying in this coop as our favorite leather daddy gets his shot at terrorizing 7th Heaven's pinup, Jessica Beale. Join our hosts this week as we delve into the 2003 reboot, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Slash Her, a delusional look into the art of horror and all things spooky, kooky, and terrifying. I'm Adrian, And I'm Stormy. And this week, we are going to be discussing the 2003 version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which, I mean, come on, I'm beyond excited about this. Um, yeah. This is my favorite out of all of them. I'm very excited. Jessica Biel is everything i've ever wanted so fantastic i feel like a very underrated final girl i feel like she's not like talked about a lot erin from this movie um yeah she's definitely not given the credit that she deserves yeah because she really goes fucking through it in this movie man i definitely would not be able to make it through anything if anything i would die in the van because i'm too fat to get out of that back window <laughs> <laughs> So, no. there's my final if story. I, were, I guess we can talk about it. I guess we can talk about it. Because I have an idea of where I would probably die in this situation also. Because mm-hmm. I've been thinking about it since 2003. So. Tell me. <laughs> Can't wait. But I still feel like I'm a, I feel like I'm a final girl. Really, I do. I feel like I have, like, the resilience <laughs> to, like, make it through a horror movie. Maybe. I don't know. I think I'm, like, stubborn and smart enough. I think my size is what, <laughs> is what uh, I have going against me there. Would hold you back? I mean, mm-hmm. you know what? That is such a great topic. I mean, do you see anybody who's plus size in like a horror movie? Mm. I mean, you saw the kid in, what is it? Halloween 2018, the one that got rejected. He's a little thicker. Like yeah, he's a little bit on the thick side, I guess. But the thing to me too, and like it happens a lot. I mean, and I love horror and a lot of people take... I mean, we've talked about it up and down and side to side, just about, like, how horror, especially within the queer community, and just, like, just how much it kind of helped us feel like there was some type of representation, even though it was, like, Mm -hmm. very minuscule, or there was some queer coding involved. But you really, it's, you don't see, you know, like you said, thicker individuals in horror, or even anybody who even has, like, any type of disability, or anybody in a wheelchair. Like, they don't really pop up too much in horror movie, or in horror movies, which is interesting. I think a lot of what it has to do with, and this is just my personal opinion, you can completely disagree with me, but Hollywood is very, everything's sexual. There's always some type of sexual connotation to anything. Oh, yeah. Especially if we look back at, like, 80s horror, there's a lot of, like, hinting at things, and they definitely want, like, the thin, skinny, like, ideal girl, and that's, the plus-size girl just isn't, doesn't fit that for a lot of people. Um, especially in Hollywood. I mean, Hollywood's getting there, kind of, but a lot of, even out, like, especially outside of horror, a lot of plus size actresses, actors 
all of them are a joke still. So we've still got a long way to go with anything. Yeah. And that was also, and I completely like agree with where you're coming from with all that. Because, I mean, Hollywood is very whitewashed and it's very straightforward. And like you said, too, especially back in the 80s, a lot of the, even the camera work of horror, I mean, it's supposed to kind of come off the screen and become like the male audience's gaze. So you can definitely see that with a lot of early horror and even still today in some instances where the camera, just the way it pans and the way that it views and a lot of the time women's bodies is supposed to be like the male gaze. And that's like a whole thing, you know, in of itself. But I agree. And that's why, I mean, we'll obviously get into this. We can worry here in a few, but I know in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre from the seventies, the, Sally, the final girl, her brother is in a wheelchair the entire movie. And, mm-hmm. you know, like they, it's, it's like, it's not handled in a weird way. And I remember the first time that I watched that film, I was like, I was taken aback because you don't see that ever in horror movies. And so I was just like, oh, wow. And like the entire movie was just, I don't know, it was fantastic. Even though he was like, you know, very, he was, yeah, he was, I don't even know. He was just very annoying really as a person, but it was nice to see that kind of representation in film. It's nice. And you know, like you said, it's either like a jokey thing or even if somebody has some type of disability or anything, like they're made to be like creepy in a way also. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we see strides <laughs> into the future. Uh, but we'll kind of get into more about the movie and just anything that we really want to talk about it because it's a fucking ball. So, of course, uh, we'll be talking again about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Pretty much quick synopsis of it. So, when five friends pick up a traumatized stranger, they soon realize that the road trip has taken a deadly turn. A remake of the 1974 classic, the film saw the return of Leatherface to the big screen. Now, the film was directed by Marcus Nispel, who also directed the Friday the 13th remake in 2009, which is... I love him. He's fantastic. Um, (laughs) Chef's kiss. Yes, chef's kiss. He's amazing. But the film was also led, of course, by a fantastic cast. Jessica Biel stars as Aaron. Jonathan Tucker is Morgan. Erica Leeherson, I feel, is that how you say her name? I'm not quite sure. But she plays Pepper. Mike Vogel is Andy. Eric Balfour is Kemper. And R. Lee Ermey, of course, plays Sheriff Hoyt. And also, of course, shout out to Leatherface, who's played by Andrew Brynarski. I feel as, I think that's how you say his last name. But, I mean, come on. Fantastic. This cast is phenomenal. And they all do fantastic it's pretty straightforward um i really associate with the kid in glasses and curly hair like i feel like he's kind of my spirit animal if i was anybody in this movie that would be me morgan yeah he's funny he's pretty funny we'll discuss though so really quickly (laughs) we'll go ahead and just kind of get through this week in horror um so first and foremost i mean every week just something you know the the spirits above (laughs) (laughs) they just look down and they just they understand what i need through these difficult times because life is difficult it is difficult but so what are you gonna tell me about neve (laughs) (laughs) so nev campbell ski ulrich rose mcgowan and matthew lillard uh (laughs) i'm so excited and matthew lillard are all reuniting it's happening it is gonna fucking happen girl and like i i can't i can't even i can't even they're reuniting for a virtual charity event courtesy of variety and they're pretty much going to be coming together having conversation uh i'm beyond excited obviously jamie kennedy's also going to be involved david arquette's going to be there and kevin williamson you know gay legend (laughs) (laughs) kevin williamson uh but yes it's it's happening and i'm 
beyond ecstatic about this. I don't even remember the last time they were all like together. I mean, technically they won't be because it's a virtual event, but like technically, yes, they will be. And I don't remember the last time that anything like this has happened. I don't know. Didn't we just talk about a reunion last week? I don't remember. I truly don't. Oh, yeah. For Hocus Pocus. Oh, yes. I wasn't interested, but I will be, I would say front row, but everybody's front row. I will be seated two inches from my laptop. (laughs) I'm ready. Dude, like, I'm excited. And it takes place on November 14th, Saturday. It's a Saturday, Um, which is this Saturday, actually. It takes place this Saturday, November 14th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Looped Live. It is a charity event, but they also even have, like, if you kind of go to the website and look into, like, the ticketing options, of course, they even let you have – there's tickets you can purchase, like, VIP tickets where you have, like, a one-on-one Zoom conversation with anybody of, like, the original Screamcast if you wanted to. Um, I might have a heart attack, so I'm going to pass on that. Insane, dude. And it's not too expensive. I mean, it's $20 for – um, the actual event itself, just to kind of see the reunion, it's 20 bucks, And the one-on-one is $100, which, I mean, if you think of, like, standard meet and greets, I know the world has changed, but typically with stuff, like, $100 is pretty, like, affordable, because some meet and greets can be very expensive. Oh, yeah, especially if you go to, like, a convention or something like that where you'd be face-to-face and be able to have a small conversation with them. It'd be way more than that. Yeah. I think I'm going to watch this. I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to be in the virtual audience because <laughs> I need to. I need to watch this and I'm going to eat up every second of it. I mean, I'm just like, like, what, man? And, you know, we gush over Scream constantly. And I mean, it's with reason. I mean, it really is such a fantastic movie. It really changed my life, like beyond words, like it really did. So I'm really excited to watch this. Um, Obviously, Nev's, she's filming Scream 5 now, I'm pretty sure. So I'm going to be you know, eyes glued to the background, see if I can see anything, because I'm crazy like that. But this is exciting. Rose McGowan, I mean, I don't even remember the last time I even heard her say anything about a Scream movie. So I'm just like, I just need to see it. I could deal without Jamie Kennedy, but I'm excited <laughs> either way. David Arquette's going to be there. He's also a lot, but you know, deputy. Shout out to... So um, for everybody listening, that happened yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, the event is yesterday, if you're listening, on our release day Sunday. Fuck, I didn't even think about that. Well, you know what? It'll be on Twitter. Um, We'll also tweet about it, obviously. So check it out, obviously. And if you watched it, it was awesome. I was there. It was amazing. (laughs) You know, it was perfect. (laughs) But, yeah, that's fucking exciting, and I'm going to be down. Are you going to be joining Storm? I think so, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to look into it. I don't – obviously, I don't know how long the event's going to be, but – I think it'll be probably at least with an hour or it would probably at least be an hour, if anything, which I can take time out of my busy Saturday sitting at home to watch. So, yeah, especially if I don't have to get dressed, I can just sit here. I can have Girl. snacks. I don't have to pay for concession stand food. <laughs> that part right there. But I'm down. So that's going to happen or it happened. Weird. But yeah, <laughs> it happened and it was awesome. But let's go ahead and kind of go into the next piece of news. So Jordan Peele's next horror film. It's coming. It's going to hit theaters in the summer of 2022. And I mean, I'm just beyond excited. Obviously, it's just like we kind of knew this was coming. I mean, people already know that he's kind of locked into this multi-year deal and it was going to happen eventually. But it's nice now to have an actual date. They're pushing for July 22nd of 2022, which is, you know, a couple years from now. And obviously, nobody really knows what it's about. There's, like, not even, like, a synopsis or anything. I remember before Us came out, even, like, 
like a year, a year and a half. Like we knew it was called Us and we kind of had like an idea of what it was going to be. But this is like still on the wraps. There's still no information. But Jordan Peele himself has said that. He's aiming to make this movie more terrifying than Get Out and Us. So we'll see about that. Um, I'm very excited, but I'm also kind of nervous because at this point in our life, Jordan Peele has not missed. It's been a hit every time. I mean, Period. he's been hitting since before he came into the the horror community. Right. So I'm a little nervous because I don't want to get my hopes too high, but like he hasn't let me down. So he hasn't. He's and that's why people kind of talk about like, you know, like a golden age of horror or like we're in a really great age right now for horror in general, just because we have so many directors just in horror, just single handedly like changing the game and making things fresh and new and exciting or even sticking to old formulas and just making it an exuberating ride, if anything. Because, I mean, obviously there's Jordan Peele, who obviously was a comedian before this and kind of came into the horror spectrum, like, from nowhere and, like, just, like, knocked it out of the park with Get Out, literally one of the best movies, like, ever, period. But if you kind of go back and even watch, like, his key and Peele sketches from Comedy Central, like, there is... They have sketches on there that are, like, horror-related. And they're fucking hilarious, obviously. But, like, they're still, like, well-directed and, like, well put together and established and like you can just kind of tell that he's always been a fan of horror so when he kind of came into it and like knocked it out of the park i mean it's awesome he's killing the game mike flanagan's killing the game ari aster's killing the game like horror is just in a really good spot right now and i'm and like you said it's nerve-wracking because he hasn't missed get out and us were both fantastic and if he's aiming to have something be more terrifying than those two movies i mean like i'm game because i didn't think us was that scary no Mm-mm, no i mean mm. It was one of those movies I think I had to watch it. It depends on where you watch it. Because I, obviously, opening night, I'm already crying thinking about the movie theaters. Opening night, went to watch Us. Packed house, of course, obviously. And it was just, I mean, with Jordan Peele, with his movies, like, in a theater setting, they're still fun and enjoyable. And, like, they're still, like, scary and, like, nerve-wracking. But, like, the jokes that he slips in there and just, like, the characters and just... It's, they're good audience movies, which is crazy. Because then if you go back, because I remember, obviously, when I watched it at home, like, watching it by yourself, us, is, like, a completely different experience. And it just, it's more unsettling. Because in the theater, like, with Red's speech when she first comes into the room, like, just the way with Lupita being fantastic. But with her just kind of, like, speaking in the way that she was, in the theater, it was hard to hear her because people were still, like, kind of whispering here and there. And it was kind of hard to understand her. And, like, that in the theater was kind of lost for me. But then watching it at home by myself, I was like... It was terrifying. Like, it made me uncomfortable, and it made me more scared of the movie, I guess, than the first time around. But I still think Get Out is more unsettling than Us, I guess, even though Us feels like more traditional horror. I feel the opposite, but I think that also has a lot to do with my privilege as a white person. Very that. Um, Because I'm obviously not the target in Get Out. You know what I mean? Um, right. I mean, obviously, it's unsettling. It's fucking terrifying to think about. And it's not to say that, like, that couldn't happen to a white person. But that's just not the space that we're put in in that movie. Yeah. So I acknowledge that I'm privileged enough to not be afraid of that situation. Right. Which makes sense. Because, um, I mean, that's, I guess, like, the whole point of Jordan Peele's, like, movies, you know? Mm-hmm. is like, it kind of comes from... um obviously personal experience and it right, just yeah, definitely it, it's aimed like you said pretty much like at a, a certain um i mean it just comes from his own experience and it just it, to me it's just like the notion of like 
Because obviously, it, I mean, goodness, God, layers. We can talk about Get Out forever and not mm-hmm. to like completely get fucking thrown into a Jordan Peele loop because we've been refraining or reframing. Is that the word? Refraining? Refraining. Refraining? Okay. Well, we've mm-hmm. been refraining from like discussing like, uh, I mean, we sprinkle them in here and there, but like Jordan Peele movies or like the Scream movies, like, because like those are going to be big episodes for us. But Get Out is, like, just the aspect, like, we know the world's racist, and we just know, obviously, America, if anything, is very racist. And just to kind of see, even if there's still racism out there, I mean, he even illustrates it in a fantastic way with, like, the police officer on the way to her parents' house when the police officer stops him. And that's just, like, the racism that we've kind of become more aware of, if anything, is with the police and just kind of the systemic racism that's there. But then to go from that, like the everyday experience of a black man, to then this ridiculous, over-the-top Twilight Zone, like fucking auctioning them off and like taking their bodies and switching their brains into... And it just like, like, like it went to a completely different level and that's just really unsettling because like the world already... It is what that is. It's racist. And just to think that there could be even places like that that are taken into the next level is insane. So terrifying. But definitely with us, it just feels more traditional horror. Like I said, it didn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't like a deep, I mean, it was deep, I guess, but it just wasn't like as, I don't know. I feel like Get Out was just, I don't know. It's slower paced for sure. Us just feels more like high octane, I guess. Things are happening like all the time. I feel like, you can enjoy us without really thinking that far into it, um, like the psychology to it. Obviously, mm-hmm. like you said, layers. There's a million things that we could go into, but you're not forced to. So the everyday person who's not interested in horror can still enjoy us without looking any deeper than the kill factor. You know what I mean? Right. But with Get Out, you kind of have to think about it. You know what I mean? Like there's a little bit more... Like, you have to kind of put the pieces together before it's shoved in your face. Like, yes, we understand that it's white people that are doing these unspeakable things to these people, but you don't kind of put together that, like, the brains are switched. Like, you you have to kind of pay attention and think about it. Um, and I think that's why, well, in my personal experience, the people that I've encountered, like, in my life, a lot of people outside of the horror community didn't enjoy Get Out, but they did enjoy us. Yeah, that's very it. It feels like... Like you said, I mean, because Get Out, even critically, was just looked at as, like, it was highly regarded, if anything. And, like you said, it probably, because it was a little bit more slower paced. Like, the scares weren't, like, jump scares. Or, like, they weren't, well, or I guess, I mean, I don't know. Like, the scares weren't jump scares. And it happened in Get Out from time to time, obviously. But it was slower paced and just, like you said, it's a thinking man's movie, I guess, in that sense. Where, I mean, the story's obvious, but then there's layers to it there's so much to it and there's just so much that you can kind of look into and oh my god okay (sighs) we can't get into get out but like there's just so much to it and like you said us is like one of those movies where you can watch it like i said that's why it kind of feels like a little bit more traditional horror um in terms of like big budget movies like that you watch in like a theater you know because hereditary and midsummer they're not like traditional horror in the sense of like you know when you think of traditional horror and like stuff that pleases audiences you just think of like you know blood and guts and like people dying left and right and there's films like get out and hereditary that are more slow paced and that require a lot more viewing which is very uh, divisive with people in terms of like you said people who aren't like traditional horror fans or don't like look beyond just the big budget movies that are in the theater kind of thing um Mm -hmm. but that's why us definitely feels like that pretty much more enjoyable i guess more fun hey alexa (laughs) call the police (laughs) dude and us is just fantastic. And um, 
especially like when you watch it like at home like by yourself chilling it just is like it's more i was more uncomfortable watching it by myself like just at home with the lights turned off because at that point then you can kind of focus on things but that movie can also Mm -hmm. get pretty fucking deep and that one it really can um lupita's just the way that she does her voice in that movie girl gives me chills but yes dude like it's it's so good it's so good it's just such a good movie it really fucking is and it was one of the movies where i watched it the first time and i always try my best to separate but i was just like so in love with get out i watched get out three times in theaters when it came out like i was obsessed with it um and it was a packed house every time hey ding dong baby it was a packed house every time but when us came out like i was nervous so when i watched it because get out was slower paced it was a lot more unsettling and like maybe more uncomfortable so when i was watching us for the first time it was you know more things were happening you know it was more fast paced and i was just like at first i was a little bit turned off and i was like dang i was like i kind of wanted to be kind of you know as slow pace and like because i really enjoy slow paced horror and it wasn't so i was like mm, i was like i don't know but then as soon as it came out on demand pretty much and i rented it and i watched it by myself like i went from like i mean i don't know i guess like a like a 55 percent like fucking skyrocketed like fucking 95 percent i was like wow like by myself at home quiet like to be able to take in the performances and hear what was happening and just like see little things that you don't see in the theater just because it's more ruckus <laughs> there's a lot happening i love it and the fucking dance scene bitch the fucking ballerina fucking <laughs> scissor duel fucking what bitch that is gorgeous that is art if i've ever seen it just the whole thing man I, like i said like we've both said repeatedly, <laughs> we could talk for fucking ever about these movies, and I can't wait to get there, but now it's just not the time. <laughs> We're excited for Jordan Peele. <laughs> We're we excited for him. the next one. He's amazing. I mean, I don't know. I'm excited for the next one. I mean, just the fucking thought of it is like, it gets me hyped, baby. Hope for the future. Yes, hopefully we can watch it in a theater because his movies really are fucking blast in the theater, man. I mean, that's 2022. I guess we don't want to be too, like, pessimistic. So, yeah, things are going to be good by then. God damn it. I miss the theater. Me too, dude. It's insane. And it's still open because Freaky comes out this Friday, Friday the 13th, or it already happened when you're listening to this episode. But Freaky came out in theaters and I was like, because I saw that Freaky was coming out on Friday the 13th. And I was like... Oh, and I thought it was going to be like The Craft, where it was going to be on demand. And so I was really fucking excited. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. And then, because I kind of want to watch it. And I went and, like, I just saw Showtimes immediately. Like, multiple theaters throughout Las Vegas. And I was like, girl, come on now. Y'all better stop. But then, like, there's not as many Showtimes. Like, it's like, there's like two, two showings a night. And I'm just like, then, like, girl, whatever. But I hope... It comes on demand quickly because I kind of want to watch that movie. I'm super interested in it, especially after I've watched other people's. Um, I don't. I don't know if I want to say predictions, um, but I've watched other people talk about it, and it just makes me more excited to see it. Yeah, and even like the reviews that have come out for it, like the early, um, the early screenings that people have been able to go to, the reviews are fantastic, and like it's doing really well, like critically at this moment in time, which is. I mean, it's not surprising because I kind of had a feeling it was going to do really well because it really does look like Happy Death Day, just rated R. So I'm assuming it's more bloody. So, I mean, I'm all about it. Fuck me up. I'm ready. I'm fucking ready I'm not going to risk my life going to a theater, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm fucking ready, goddammit. 
Okay, well, I mean, that was This Week in Horror. We really went off. It's been a little bit. Um, but we're glad to be back, obviously. Last week was just super stressful, so we needed to just... Sorry, we're emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like... I don't want to say, like, get used to it, but this is this is who we are, man. More emotional beings. And it was just too much last week. I could not, like, sit down and, like, record a podcast last week. But things are looking positive. Obviously, you know me... And we're not a political podcast, but if you follow me on Twitter, I'm running my mouth constantly. So things are looking good, at least. Obviously, there's still a lot to be done and, you know, continue to vote. Obviously, things are coming up with um, the House and the Senate that are very important. So just continue to educate yourselves. I mean, I love that the younger generation has like it's just coming in like full force and like helping make actual positive change. And just I'm all about it. But we're in a better headspace this week, if anything, than last week. We definitely are. Um, <laughs> I spent 98% of last week crying, so we're glad to be back. <laughs> right. <laughs> back in the booth, if anything. Uh, but yeah, let's might as well, or let's go ahead and just jump into the main topic. We're going to be discussing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, definitely look into giving us a rating. It would be really beneficial to our growth, and we'd really appreciate it. It goes a long way. We're open to ideas and feedback. We'd love it all. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and plenty of other places. But for now, let's go ahead and get back to the show. Alrighty, so we are back, and, I mean, come on. I mean, we have, like, made mention of this movie probably a couple times now at this point. But the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 2003 remake, reboot, it's quite honestly one of my favorite horror movies ever. Ever? That's a strong statement. It is, but it came out when I was eight years old, and just, like, eight years old is, like, a prime time of, like, your childhood like that's just like i feel and this is just me talking out of my ass but i feel like eight years old it's just like a prime time you know i can remember so many things from my eighth year of life that just have you know rolled over into my <laughs> trauma the texas chainsaw massacre movie and oreos you know obsession of eight years old on but it's just yeah ever i think really ever it just it came out at the right time for me if anything makes sense um, I remember watching it, I think it was probably, like, Stars, <laughs> like, it had been a while since it had been released, but I remember watching it every single time that it came on Stars. Yeah, it's so good, like, it just, but yeah, the film is fantastic, and, I mean, it is a remake of the classic 1974 film that really, really kind of shot adrenaline into like the horror scene back in the 70s like the original texas chainsaw massacre is fantastic and it holds up to me at least it still holds up to this day it's just that fucking good but this movie had a big task to do like it had to come in and it had to be different it had to be modern and but it still kind of had to have the grunge feel of the original film and i think it does a good job at really delivering on that in like many aspects because at horror at this time too i mean it was kind of between the slasher genre um and craze of the 90s early 2000s and right before torture porn 
came into play. Like, this film was right in the middle of it, and it was kind of like a good marionation of both of those things. Because coming straight from, you know, the Scream era, where it was Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Valentine, all that shit was happening. It was fucking slasher, slasher, slasher. And then, of course, Saw came around in 2004, Hostel around 2005, and torture porn kind of took off at that point. And this movie was right in the middle. And it was, to me, like a good mix of those things, because... It's a slasher movie. People are getting knocked off less, you know, left and right. But then also, it kind of is a little bit more, I guess, leaning into, like, the gory side of things. Because there's parts mm-hmm. of this movie still, even, that, like, I kind of cringe at. Yeah, I definitely cringed a lot more than I usually do. I think it's because I, it's been a while since I've seen it. So I was like, I don't know. I expected... Like, I knew what was coming, but it just kind of caught me off guard. Where I was like, ooh, <laughs> oops. Yeah, this movie is just, I don't know, it's so good. I love it. I mean, even from the beginning, like, the intro, just the narration and, like, the black and white clips and that iconic camera flash. I mean, come on. Like, the beginning of this movie is just, that set the tone for what was going to happen. And, I mean, it had to do that because in the original, it it opens with the scroll you know the title scrolling or the it starts with the scroll also and like that was unsettling because it's also talking about how you know this is a real story this happened to these kids yada 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 and then like it goes right into this grungy ass movie so for this movie to kind of come back and start that way i mean i i'm obsessed with the intro of this movie and it always gets my my fucking blood pumping every single time it really is immaculate i love his voice i love the tone of his voice the subtle like creepy music in the background and just the graininess of that film is just chef's Chef's kiss kiss. (laughs) so good it's so fucking good and then we fucking break into goddamn sweet home alabama by leonard skinnard excuse me come on we filmmaking god damn it it's fantastic to the kids having fun swimming in the lake or the river or whatever that is I mean, come on. This is what I thought my life was going to be. <laughs> like, going on road trips and, like, fucking swimming off of a, you know, off the beaten path. I don't know. I love this movie. And the intro really sets the tone for what the fuck is about to happen. I really do enjoy just the tone of this film in general. I don't know. I just feel like I'm going to reiterate everything that you said. I just really enjoy this middle time between the two, like, really eras of horror. Right. Because I feel like this one, and there's a se- several others that come to mind, that they're just, like, right in the middle that just hit that sweet spot for me, man. Yeah. It was just, uh, it was perfect. I Like, I don't know. Like, I love this movie. It's one of my favorites. I'm about to rate it five fucking stars. It just, well, I mean, we I guess we'll kind of get into it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess we'll kind of get into it. Because, I mean, honestly, sitting here trying to think of things that maybe could have been better or been improved upon... I truly don't know. I truly don't know what to say. I want a little bit more, like, grunge. Does that make sense? Okay, I can see that. Because, I mean, it obviously gives off that same vibe that the original did. Like, we see how grimy everything is, like, within the house. The house gives off the same, like, vibes, I guess. I just want more. And I don't... I'm obviously not, like... A filmmaker, so I don't know where I want it. I just want more from it. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Because I think it really feels like, like you said, it feels it still feels dirty, but then at the same time, it still kind of feels kind of sleek, I guess. Like, it still feels really well-crafted as a film. So it's still, because the original feels grungy, and it feels like you're watching, like, somebody recording it on, like, a big-ass fucking handheld, you know, 
video recorder. And it's just like, it just feels invasive. Like it feels like we're watching something that we shouldn't be watching. The original's fantastic still. But this one, it does, you know, it has like the grunge filter on it, but it still feels like a very sleek film production. So I can definitely understand like maybe wanting it to feel just a little bit more rough around the edges. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. I can see that. I can see that. Because, I mean, Jessica Biel still has, like, perfectly sprayed sweat on her face, like, every single instance. I mean, she's <laughs> fantastic. But, yeah, it feels like, it feels like a very well-crafted film, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. But in comparison to what we got back in the 70s, I understand, like, wanting it to feel more grungy. Because I kind of, especially in rewatching it for this podcast, I had that same kind of feeling where I was like, it just feels, it feels very sleek. It feels very 2003, I guess, where everything was kind of very sleek. <laughs> but... It's fucking still so fucking killer. I mean, okay, so we kind of always do this kind of thing, I guess. But, like, if anybody is going to be your favorite character in this film, who is it and why is it Aaron? Shut the fuck up. (laughs) It took me a second. I was like, what? (laughs) You know I'm terrible with the characters' names. Um, I think I mentioned him in the beginning. Glasses guy, Morgan. Yes, Morgan is everything that I've ever wanted (laughs) to be. He's just the cynical, like... He does not give a fuck that that girl is in their van. He's trying to go see this concert. <laughs> Everybody's annoying him, and he's just trying to smoke some weed, man. Yeah, very you. <laughs> is it, though? Just kidding. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but he's no, funny, I really do think I'm him. Um, And also just how fucking, like scared and clumsy and just blubbery that he gets towards the end that's me fuck it like that's the most me character i've ever seen in this movie (laughs) he does he really he's great in this movie too because he does get very blubbery (laughs) that's such a funny way yeah that's a good way to describe it very blubbery at the end where he's like just spitting (laughs) like every fucking line delivery there's something coming out of his mouth he got his glasses like bitch slapped the fuck off of his face Oof, and had like a Velma off. moment where he's like, "Where's my glass?" And it's like <laughs> he can't see, spitting blood. It's me. That's my aesthetic. <sighs> We're about to go character by character. Well, not really, because <laughs> some of them are so bland. I mean, I guess that's another thing. I guess the other ones couldn't be so bland because Morgan and Aaron are the only ones that really have like a personality. <laughs> like really, right. I like Kemper. He's he seems like a sweet um, boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Does he not? I think he's misunderstood. He really doesn't. <laughs> because they're, so they're talking about leaving the girl, the dead body. And yeah, he's just like, babe, she's dead. And she's like, well, if that, if, what is it? Oh, it means something to me. So if that means anything. And he's kind of just like, mm, not really. <laughs> well, okay, well, what would you do in that moment? Me? Yeah, I mean, it's a rundown, small fucking town. Like, they've seen, like, one truck stop in the entire fucking town. It's the middle of nowhere. The only person that saw them was that old lady. And, like, I mean, they have every reason, I guess, to, like, feel confident in just dumping the body and just driving off. Right. I mean, but what would you do? Especially if you're waiting for a sheriff who said that he's going to take two hours to fucking get to you. You know where you, you can get far in two hours, girl. Okay, so the problem is... For me to put myself in this situation, I would still be back at the spot where she shot herself because y'all would not be able to get me back into that van because <laughs> I would be losing my shit. I would not be okay. Um, and I want to say that I'd be like, fuck that girl. I can get halfway across the state in two hours. 
but that's just not who I am as a person. You're right. I don't think I could do it either. I like I said though, I can see like why the boys were leaning towards that, um, and I understand. I guess not really though, because like why would <laughs> why would you do that? Like why would you just dump this poor girl's dead body and like just like leave? Like to me, morally and also spiritually <laughs> and ethically, like it just doesn't that doesn't make sense to me. And I forgot, yeah, that Kemper was a piece of shit. But he also had the ring. I cry every single time when he's hanging upside down and the ring um, falls oh. out of his pocket. It's very sad. But the sad. Yeah, but his death is awesome. Fucking Leatherface popping out of nowhere and just whacking him. I love it every time. Um, I die for that scene. It's just, I don't know why that, like, simple shit like that gets to me. <laughs> but just them running through those blanket the blankets, running through the sheets... Oh, that's also so a good. great scene. Such a good scene. And man. they're just you can't you can't really see everything. And then there's just he comes out of nowhere, like you said, fucking cuts him at the knee, and there's just blood all over that freshly mm-hmm. washed sheet. And I'm like, Andy. fuck yeah. Poor Andy, the most boring character out of all of them. But he's attractive. He's attractive. God damn it. Eight year old Adrian was very interested in Andy. But very boring. <laughs> very boring. Throughout the he has like he has no character besides like making out with Pepper after meeting her 19 hours earlier and they seem like they're fucking soulmates. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, man. What is time time doesn't tell you how much somebody loves you. <laughs> oh, okay. Hallmark card realness. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Fuck, man. Um I guess before we really kind of get into like scenes and just like how fucking gorgeous and well constructed these scenes are. I mean, to me, obviously, my favorite character is Aaron, just because she's an underrated final girl. She's fantastic in this movie. And I like how they, like, do little, like, they, like, drop little nuggets here and there to kind of show or just explain, like, her resilience and, like, why she's, like, fighting so hard. So, like, at the beginning or near the beginning, I guess, when she's breaking into the um, outhouse and Pepper's like, wow. And she's like, mm, yeah, I grew up with brothers. So you kind of have, like, the idea where, like, oh, well, she had to stand up for herself growing up. And then when she's hot wiring the car and Pepper, again, is like, how do you, wow, how, like, how do you know how to do this? And she's like, you know, I was in juvie at one point. So you kind of just had, like, the idea that she's, you know, probably had a rough life, had to, like, defend herself constantly. So it just makes sense for her to be, like, such a fighter throughout this movie. So I just like those, like, little nuggets, very simple nuggets that they dropped here and there to kind of explain her resilience and, like, why she's fighting so hard. Because sometimes with Final Girls, um... You know, they really are, like, the virgin, like, the tropes of it. You know, the virgin, she's very innocent, and she doesn't, you know, she's just kind of there, quiet, um, smart. And then out of nowhere, she, like, turned into, like, this resilient person who can, like, fucking, like, jump through windows and, like, do this badass shit. Which isn't a bad thing. I fucking love that. But it's nice that they kind of drop things here and there to kind of explain why she's resilient like that and why she keeps fighting. And Jessica Biel does fantastic in this movie. I don't even, like... I honestly truly don't know anything else of her beyond this movie. Um, I'm sure there's a few, but none. <laughs> none come to mind, unfortunately. 27 Dresses? Is she in that movie? No. She's from, like... Oh, my God. We have the internet. Oh, well, I know she's from 7th Heaven. That's what I was thinking of, was 7th Heaven. I was like, there's a lamest show. Yeah, oh, the lamest. The most whitewashed, cookie-cutter fucking show i'm sorry to any she's a pisces we love that. <gasps> uh, you know we just love that and it's katherine heigl in 27 dresses so i feel like a buffoon but you know <laughs> she's in the illusionist i have no idea what that recall. is 
She's from. She's also in Blade Trinity. Um, I know her from that film because I love the Blade movies. But yeah, I really don't know anything of her beyond this movie. And honestly, I'm okay with that because this movie, she kills it. She kills it. I mean, really though, like this film, the scenes in this film are just like fucking insane. From the jump, like shit is like... It's a serious-ass movie. When they pick up the stranger, and she's beat to all hell. She looks like she's been through the ringer, obviously. And they bring her into the vehicle. And, I mean, it's just the whole scene. And it's just, like, brilliantly or constructed and laid out. Like, it's just funny to have them all, like, huddled on one side of the van. And her be, like, in the very back. And them all just staring at her. Always makes me laugh. It's funny to me. But just for her to fucking whip out that revolver and just put it in her mouth and shoot herself, ma'am, ma'am, when I tell you that every single time, like, I I get nervous and, like, every single time that that scene happens, it's always just, like, really jarring. And the fucking shot from her goddamn head zooming out through the fucking hole in the van, I mean, come on, art. It makes me kind of nauseous every time. It's a fantastic shot. And if you watch oh, the yeah, behind so the good. scenes, um, like, the kind of show, like, the layout of it, it's just fantastic. And uh, I just love that shot. And everybody is rightfully traumatized, and, like, shit breaks down at that point, and it's just, it's so ridiculous. And that's when Kemper stands up to his friends, and, I mean, I don't know, because he always makes me so upset, because in the scene, Morgan's, like, yelling at Aaron, and Kemper's just like, whoa, man, chill. Like, no, like, if that was my (laughs) lover, I'm going to be, like, fucking in your face and being like, bitch, you better fucking settle your goddamn tea kettle because we're not playing that game today. But I like that he stands up to him and gets rid of the weed. But, I mean, I would also be kind of pissed off if we drove down to goddamn Mexico and fucking spent our time and effort to pick up this weed and then you just throw it out into a goddamn field. I'd be pretty pissed. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, you know, i got to please the woman. But why, I just don't understand why they're picking up a hitchhiker. And I mean, she's not even a hitchhiker. She's just a mentally disturbed female. <laughs> like She's just wandering aimlessly. Yeah, I don't understand that. I don't know if it's Would because... you not pick her up? No, absolutely not. Zero percent. Hmm, I guess if she did, if she, <laughs> but it's just the way that she looks. Like, she looks like she needs help. So, I mean, I, if she was just like a regular person, maybe walking around, and, like, just regular day wear, I guess. Maybe I would just, like, keep driving. But even then, like, it's in the middle of nowhere. But that is very sus. Just if she was... Yeah. If I was at home, like, in my hometown, maybe, I might possibly consider it. But if I'm fucking traveling somewhere, we're in literal, like, but a ding 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 country. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're in the middle of fucking nowhere. Well, somebody can come out of the super tall weeds and stab me like no Mm-mm. hard pass you can fucking die on your own bitch because no. i ain't going down with you <laughs> i would have to i would have to stop and pick her up she's just, if she looked like that i wouldn't be able to there was this crazy true crime story um of uh, never mind we won't get into that because that will be a whole like 20 minutes <laughs> but wait tell me <laughs> <laughs> But. No, because it's really it's a whole fucking journey, and I'll tell you later. Because <laughs> I can't like I can't explain like the correlation that I have with this scene with this true crime story because there's a whole foundation that needs to be said in this true crime story. <laughs> okay, so once once we stop recording, yeah, we'll get into it later. But yes, okay. I mean I would just have to just because of the state that she was in. I would have to help her, but then. Mm-mm. 
uh, I don't know, dude. It's just so fucking insane. She shoots herself, and then they have to fucking sit there and, like, try to, like, come back to reason and, like, figure out what to do next. And then they go, of course, to the most run-down fucking gas station. And Morgan's commentary just about the food and, like, the beef and the meat and everything makes me laugh every single time. You have to know at that point that something's wrong with the area that you're in. But, yeah, I mean, just with that fucking town, like, I don't even know. It's not even, like, a town. Like, what is it? Like, all it is is it's the Hewitt's home, that gas station, the old mill, and the slaughterhouse. Like, that's Texico. all there is. That's what it is. Texico. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Texico, New Mexico, for nobody who knows. <laughs> a small little nothing town from where we're from. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, that's all it is, dude. And it's just, like... And, I mean, and then there's, like, the small mobile home in the middle of the fucking woods that the tea ladies are at. But, like, there's, like, nothing else going on in this town. So, I mean, I don't know. And then, and then them just trying to, like, figure out what to do. And, like, there's, like, nobody in this town. And just they're fucking freaking out. I mean, dude, it's fucking insane. But, I mean, we can kind of get into, I guess, like you said, like, the scene where fucking Leatherface first reveals himself to them i guess even though we saw him earlier when he kills kemper for him to fucking slam that door uh, you know fucking rip that door open and fucking come steaming out of his basement room with his goddamn chainsaw jessica bill that's fantastic her face reaction or her facial reaction to that is amazing she looks great she looks stunning but that fucking scene gets me every time and like you said that when he starts running through the sheets poor andy poor rest his soul gets his fucking you know cut at the kneecap dude great a great scene it's so fucking good i'd also be pissed that i washed all those sheets for him to fuck them up but they're fucking i mean these are people who don't care at all in the slightest and this family is just like insane i mean we can kind of get into the sheriff because sheriff hoyt is a piece of shit he's always been a piece of shit i can't stand him every time i watch this movie but i mean come on kills it kills his character at least because he is so insufferable it makes my skin crawl just every scene with him (laughs) like i'm pretty sure what did i call him when i was texting you vile yeah he's just disgusting like with the little like sparkle emojis on each side (laughs) he is dude (laughs) it just his 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 whole demeanor is just so gross and disgusting and like you said vile because he's just he's so sleazy as a character like he's just so gross and when he um just all of it. When he's making him put the body into the car, he's disgusting. When he's making him... <laughs> don't, don't put that disgusting thing in my back seat. <laughs> oh, he's so fucking First funny, of all, though. he wrapped her in saran wrap. Not He didn't. So he helped. He made them help her. Right. By putting her in saran wrap. Which is like, at that point, as an individual, if the police officer is making me wrap a dead body up with some, I mean I know it's a small know nothing town but at that point I'm not taking any of this serious anymore yeah just the scene that he has this is jumping a little bit so um but just the scene that he has with Morgan in the van I just Ugh. I want him to I want Morgan to shoot him so fucking badly and obviously he tries but I just I want that I want that to be where it ends for the cop where Morgan just gets some fucking balls and does it, man. Yeah. Uh, every single time I want that trigger to work. <laughs> I want him to shoot him because he's so insufferable. And when he knocks him out with that bottle too, like you said, like loses his glasses and his teeth get knocked out. 
I hate it every time. Poor Morgan. He's like, well, that was rude, wasn't it? You motherfucker. <laughs> I'd be mouthy. If I'm in that situation, I'm already probably about 89% that I'm going to die. So I would be talking so much shit, dude. That's ridiculous. If you're going to kidnap me, I'm going to make you regret it. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And speaking of that scene in the van, apparently um, when they were filming that scene, fucking um, Morgan uh, Tucker, the guy who plays him, like he would take that fucking gun and he would shove it down his throat. Like every take that they did, he would fucking shove it down his throat and throw up frequently. And I guess like if you can kind of look you can kind of tell a little bit when you watch it back. If you go back and watch that scene again, it kind of looks like he has, like, stuff coming out. Like, blubbery. That's just his whole thing. But apparently, like, he was making himself throw up because he was shoving that gun so far back in his throat, man. <laughs> Poor That baby. gag reflex was, he was not working. He was dedicated to the craft. <laughs> he, he said, let me show you what this map can do. <laughs> I hate us. Bitch. He really said, he's like, you want to see what that mouth do, Sheriff Hoyt? I'll show you what that mouth do, baby. And we just fucking <laughs> shove said, that gun. that shit touched the little dangly thing in the back of my throat. <laughs> <laughs> Cardi B who? <laughs> Girl. But the dedication to the craft, man, I mean, give it up for him because I, I, I mean, I couldn't see myself continuously shoving a gun down my, a prop, <laughs> a prop gun down my throat and just making myself throw up constantly. It wouldn't be me, baby. He said, I need some extra money for this scene because this is hitting somebody's kink. <laughs> <laughs> I can't deal, dude. Um, the crazy thing, too, is, I mean, of course, in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, Leatherface is played by Gunnar Hansen. And Andrew Bronowski does, like, a fantastic job in this film as Leatherface. I mean, he's just... He's so big, if anything, and he just comes off as so, like, intimidating. And apparently, fucking Andrew, the actor, when he heard about the movie, like, coming out, when he was, like, or I guess, you know, in the Hollywood spectrum, like, he heard that the movie was happening, he went up to Michael Bay at a fucking party and, like, asked him deliberately, like, hey, can I be fucking, or not (laughs) deliberately, he went up to him and asked him fucking, like, what's the fucking word? Like, directly, I guess. And he was like, I want to be fucking Leatherface and, like, let's fucking do it, baby. Which, I mean, I love that because he did fantastic in this movie. Couldn't obviously talk about this movie without bringing up him because he's fantastic. And just, I mean, jumping around, I guess. But just, like, the entire chase scene with Aaron and Leatherface and just fucking them running literally all over that know-nothing town. It's just, like, it's fantastic. I love it. He's so intimidating. And really, I honestly, like, if you think of, like, every serial killer in any of these horror movies, Leatherface, to me, is always, like, the most terrifying. And I truly don't know if I would be able to get away from him. That's probably why I like Aaron so much. Because, I mean, first off, that chainsaw is just so fucking huge and, like, it's running and, like, it can, like, it can nick you and, like, completely, like, dismember you. Like, that Mm -hmm. shit's no fucking joke, dude. And, like, yes, Jason's scary and Michael Myers is scary and Ghostface, you know, is probably hot under the mask. And, you know, all these murderers are just... (laughs) He's probably hot under the mask. That's it. You're just like, he's not scary. He's just hot under the mask. (laughs) I'm just waiting for the reveal, baby. Take it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I just had to take a quick commercial break for that. (laughs) Yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, I understand they're all terrifying in their own way. Fred, I mean, maybe Freddie, 
he might be just because the whole dream aspect is like terrifying. But like if like not a demon, <laughs> like an actual like <laughs> like flesh yeah. being, Leatherface to me is the most terrifying for sure. And Andrew does a fantastic job, of, like just being fucking big and stocky and scary. And Aaron does a great job, Jessica Biel, of just being helpless and strong and resilient. And I just, it's perfect. It's perfect. The perfect horror movie. I love it in every sense of the word. We love Big Leatherface Daddy. Yes. Dude, fucking the scene. Okay, let me gush over the scene in the van a little bit. Because I feel like I pushed that scene so much. Because it always was just like my favorite scene as a kid. And I feel like I'm probably in the minority. But like I'm obsessed with that scene. And just everything about it is fantastic. But at the end, dude, after he fucking slices and dices Pepper to shreds with her fucking jacket and the feathers flying everywhere. Art. That's art. Again, sweetie, art. But when he turns around... And Jessica Biel has to sit there and see Kemper's face. That fucking face, dude. It makes me, like, cringe. And, like, I get... I honestly am so terrified every single time that that happens. Because it just... It looks so fucking creepy. Yeah. Just imagine... Because at that point, she doesn't know that he's dead. Right. Right? So, you're... First, you just watched your friend get fucking murdered just absolutely slaughtered and then you turn around and it's your boyfriend's face and it's obviously not your fucking boyfriend on this big old leather daddy so but there's that moment you know she has that trauma there's that moment where she's like is he murdering people my head is spinning i wouldn't even be able to deal dude like that is so twisted i can't fucking stand it oh I just know she has so much trauma. So Imagine being much her trauma. therapist. No, girl, I quit. <laughs> She's like, and then he turned around, and the therapist is like, and it was your boyfriend's face. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about this every week, Aaron. Let's just fucking move on, okay? I know you were in the fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was all over the news. I'm fucking tired of it. Let's talk about you tripping and falling at the age of five. Like, I'm tired of it. <laughs> And then the twist is the therapist takes out a gun, deep throat, <laughs> and it's full fucking circle. <laughs> and she just back to square one. Dude, oh my but God. also uh, trigger warning. I'm really sorry, guys. <laughs> what, deep throat in the gun? Yeah, deep throat in the gun. I mean, yes. I mean, but yeah, I guess trigger warning just in general. Because, I mean, the, just the aspect of somebody's gun going to their mouth is, it makes me nervous. It gives me full body chills. And the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, that's such, like, an opening kill like that is just, like, next level. Like, they really said, we're going to fuck with them a little bit here because that shit's insane. Yeah. You don't really come back from that. Like, we just start heavy and keep going. Yeah. And it's just full force the entire time. But the film is just, like, I don't know, dude. Like, I can, and we are doing it, but I can talk about it so much because I just love, first off, to me, like, and like you said, like, the trauma that Aaron has. Because even if you go back to, like, the original, um, Sally, the original Final Girl, she also kicks ass in that movie. Like, she's a badass. But, you know, the ending scene with her, which is legitimately, like, one of the best, like, scenes and shots. Um, like, just all of it in, like, in the entirety of cinema. Uh, I can't even speak it. In the entirety of, like, just cinema. Like, when Sally escapes Leatherface at the end of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, when she has that moment in the back of the pickup truck where she's just, like, laughing, like, manically with the blood all over her. I mean, like, the trauma, dude, legitimately in her face and just, like, uh, amazing. So, yeah, and then Jessica Bill 
just fuck, dude. And I'm just so happy that she got the baby out. Like, that was one of my things where I was just like, I'm so happy she saved the baby. Every time, like, I fucking, I live and I breathe. Is it just me or does that baby look CGI? Yeah, the baby looks very strange in rewatching it. I don't know if it's CGI, but the baby looks strange. She's very sus. <laughs> very sus. <laughs> very sus. Can we talk about the baby nappers? Because that entire scene pisses me off every time. Dude, I was, I remember being so happy that she's like, oh, I'm like, oh, she's finally going to get help. And then I saw both of them and I was like, oh, no, honey. Yes. Ain't got no help there. Not with Miss Mavis. (laughs) Dude, they piss me off every time. And it's just like so creepy because she thinks she's getting help and they fucking start trying to shove tea down her throat. Have some tea. Just sit down and relax and have some tea. And I'm like, I would have been fucking beating bitches already. Especially those two. They look so fucking weak. I'd be fucking kicking their teeth down their throats and I'd be fucking fighting. But... She's traumatized, obviously, and, like, they start fucking putting this tea down her throat, and she starts to, like, become woozy and start, like, passing out. But the baby, dude, when she fucking screams at her, that the baby isn't hers. Like, every time, I feel like, I don't know, it's like the days of our lives times 50, and I'm just, like, obsessed with it every single time. That is my baby. <laughs> That's all I can think about. The delusion. But we also know Miss Thick Queen, like, she's not doing anything. She's literally just knitting or whatever the fuck that she's doing. <laughs> Like, I don't know. Where's the threat like, here? Yeah, like, she could have, at that point, Jessica Biel could have just, like, got up and left. Like, it's not like the thick one's going to stop her. Or any of them. But also, I mean, we do know, I guess, thanks to the shot of Leatherface standing outside of the home, that he's outside of the home <laughs> right. waiting. So she could have fucking sat there and sliced both, both of their throats and killed them and then, like, walked out and still would have been met face-to-face with the goddamn chainsaw, so... <laughs> Still would have died. She still would have been very much dead. So, you know, props to her. I just want to go back real quick. There's something so cute about Thomas sewing that little face. Like, if you (laughs) say you ignore the material that he's working with. (laughs) The flesh? The human flesh? Yes. (laughs) Yes. The material. (laughs) If you ignore that. This big old leather face. This big old daddy is just... Girl. He just looks like he's putting together a little mat. Girl. <laughs> it's kind of cute. Listen, I know that, you know, as a horror community, we all just have fascinations sometimes with these creatures. <laughs> these creatures of murder and disgusting uh, morals. But, you know, it happens. It happens to the best of us. But, girl, no. When you say that, I think I think of Ed Gein. I think of the serial killer that is, like, this movie is, like, based on. Uh, if he just at his mother's home with her dead body in his room sewing people's flesh to fucking lampshades, I can't see it being cute in any fucking way. <laughs> I think it's cute. Just no. this big this big man just working at his little his little sewing <sighs> machine. Like I said, just put away the material. <laughs> <laughs> He's a craftsman, man. He's so skilled. He's skilled with a needle and thread. He said gender norms who? Girl, in the original too where um not I mean, we can't talk about this one without talking about the original. Um in the original one, um, in the dinner scene, um, Leatherface comes out 
in like full garb, full, he's wearing a cute dress, his um, human skin face mask is all dolled up in makeup, and he's like the matriarch of the home, you know, he's the woman bringing out the dinner, very twisted, very fucking twisted, but yeah, he has like a very innocent quality to him, you can tell he's kind of just forced into this by the toxicity of the sheriff and, you know, all of it is just gross, but I guess I can kind of see him being cute. <laughs> But not really. <laughs> um. So I have a question. If one of your friends was suffering, like Mike was suffering. No, Andy. Well, Mike Vogel. Oh, queen. Queen dragging me. <laughs> so if, if one of us was suffering like that, would you be able to kill them? Hmm. Yeah, that's a tough scene. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a tough situation to be in. I don't know. Like, if I realistically put one of my good friends on that meat hook, and I'm staring You're at all, them. Depends on which one. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just any of them in general. If I was on the meat hook, I would probably want you to kill me, and I would expect you to do it. So if so if you were begging me, like if you were begging me, Stormy, to do it, because, you know, there's just... I mean, you know, you already have your legs cut off and, you know, these hooks are so deep in your back and you've already lost so much blood and you're just begging me. Maybe. I don't know. That's hard. Would you? Um, I don't think I have the balls to do it, unfortunately. Like, I would want to because obviously, like, if you see somebody you care about, you want to help them, even if it is, like, ending their suffering. But I just don't think that i could like i don't even think that i could like kill an animal that was suffering you know what i mean yeah i can do that either yeah i guess you're right because even the that's so funny to me that i think of an animal and immediately i'm like oh yeah no i couldn't do it <laughs> but yeah if there's like an animal suffering i couldn't like i could not and i understand like i understand the morality of people doing that and i understand why she does it in this movie which is why she's also a badass but it would mm -hmm. be so hard to like I don't know. It'd just be so hard. And I would probably have trauma. This poor girl has so much trauma. Like, if I had to do that, I would probably just... My world would be over. Like, I don't know what I would be mm -hmm. able to do. I would probably still fight my hardest, too. Yeah, I would still be fighting to get you off that meat hook. <laughs> and even if I'm probably doing more harm, like, that's just who I am. Like, I would want you to at least die mm -hmm. with... Not respect. I don't... That's not the right word. But, like... <laughs> But even know. if he not on a meat hook, <laughs> yeah. But if he gets off the meat hook, he also can't really go anywhere, right? And it could be the aspect of slowing her down and like, ugh, I don't know. It's a hard situation. I'd rather to be die in. with you than you die by yourself on a meat hook. Yeah, or I'd rather be the one to kill you so you don't have to worry about this family <laughs> continuously torching, like torturing you in any way. True. Ugh, that's so hard. That's so tough. And Morgan's death scene, can we talk about it? With him fucking hanging there and literally having the fucking chainsaw go right to his dick. I can't. My poor Morgan. That's exactly how I want to go. <laughs> right, right in my nether region, please. Just chop it off. Just fucking cut into me, baby. He's already fucking, he's gone through so much at that point. He has, man. He has. I mean, and then, I mean... God, this is such a good movie. And because then from there, pretty much we like kind of get kickstarted with. I mean, I don't know. That's crazy that her chase scene like technically happens for like for so long. Just like mm -hmm. everything, like from the moment that he 
opens the door and scares her and Andy the first time. Like, from that moment onwards, she's in a chase scene. Like, she's fucking... At that point, she's just in it. She's fucking running from the house. She runs back to... um, Morgan and Pepper, and they had that whole fucking dilemma with the sheriff. From there, she is in the van with Pepper. The whole fucking dilemma happens in that van, which is still my favorite scene. Where Pepper then is murdered, and then she runs from the van to the tea ladies. She gets knocked the fuck out. She wakes up. She has to fucking be in this basement with her friend Andy, and she has to murder him. And then she has to sneak her friend Morgan out, and then watch him get cut into the dick with a chainsaw and then from there immediately runs to a goddamn slaughterhouses in a freezer fucking she goes through it dude right but that slaughterhouse scene can we talk about it mm, no no just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yes uh i it makes me want to take a shower so gross and just her like being in the carcasses and just like hiding and just like it's it's brilliant. It's a brilliant mm-hmm. scene. Like when he starts like reeling the the meat hooks. <laughs> yes. He starts like reeling it in to make them all start knocking around. Ugh. I mean, in the aspect that he used to work there, I mean they kind of established that um in the prequel that they did to this movie that he worked in that slaughterhouse for a bit. So just like the aspect that he kinda like knows where he's at in there and like knows what he's doing. But it's a fucking badass scene and just, it does, like, it makes you feel gross the entire time because she's, like, just shaking, but she's also sweating, so I'm, like, nervous that she's going to catch something. And then, just when she's hiding out in the locker and she fucking gets her fucking revenge and fucking, fucking just rails it into a man and is, like, able to get away, I just love her. She has much more willpower to live than I do. Yeah, dude. (laughs) I mean, I truly feel like I would probably... Like I kind of mentioned at the beginning, like if I were to die in this movie, it'd probably be in the van, like you said, like in the van, just because I feel like, like the whole situation would just throw me off. And like, I don't know, like I feel like my equilibrium would be thrown off just because I don't know, just seeing the sparks fly from the van would fucking give me some type of shock and then just to run out of the van. I mean, Pepper makes me so bad because she just like, she just hops out of this van and just like runs and then she runs like. I don't know what, I don't know how fast she's running, but she's running pretty fucking slow for Leatherface to then get his hulky ass off the goddamn top (laughs) of this fucking van and then rush towards her carrying a heavy, I mean, he's a strong strapping man, but carrying this heavy ass chainsaw and like, and he still like catches up to you and she's still flailing her arms and like falls over. I was like, girl, you could have fucking booked it. But I love her death just because I love the the feathers flying everywhere. I love that visual. This movie's just so fucking good. It's a great movie. It's really us just praising it. There's still, like, nothing that I can think of that I would want to see different. Um, besides, you said, like, maybe a little bit more, like, grungy. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a little bit more. I know. I can't. I really can't. Even the characters that don't have good development, I don't care about them enough to even, like, want to see more from them. I don't care. Because the movie is Leatherface versus fucking, or the Hewitt family, really, versus Aaron. And it's just badass. With Morgan being cool. I just, I love it. I love this movie. And the grandma is just a fucking, the older woman. She's just so sassy the entire time. And I'm just like, girl, I can't deal with it. And the little boy, I feel bad for <laughs> the little Jedediah. boy too. Poor Jedediah. Yes, I feel bad for He's him. He's like, grandma, you let me in this house. <laughs> <laughs> Not till you can learn the rules. And he's Ugh. like, you know what? I'm going to let these bitches out through the basement. So fuck you, grandma. 
Also, this movie also has, like, the only instance, really, where we see, like, Leatherface's real face when he takes off the mask and, like, you don't... Like, his nose deformity is there. And, like, it's very unsettling. But that that's, like, really, like, one of the first instances, like, where it actually, like, shows his face. Right. Or, like, his real face, I guess. His real face. His real face. But, yeah, this movie's fantastic. Like, it's... I mean, we can just keep talking about how great it is. Um, and this is just coming from us personally. <laughs> I'm sure there's people who actually, like, have critiques and probably would, like, uh, maybe we should have invited somebody who hated the movie on. Because I, I just, I can't see it in my mind. Like, I can't see anything being different in any way. Hmm. Maybe somebody will have to, like, critique us on Twitter. <laughs> no, like, legit. Bring up like, some would, counterpoints. Yeah, I would like to hear counterpoints of, like, what this movie can improve upon. I mean, yes, I can understand probably, like, the characters. It's always character development in horror movies. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't need it sometimes, and I didn't need it in this movie. Everybody played their part perfectly fine, and I just, I really can't think of anything to improve upon, and I'm going to get pissed off if I think about something later. But, I don't know, it's just a home run for me, baby. I just want to know how long a tank of gas lasts him. (laughs) To what? I want to know how long a tank of gas lasts him. (laughs) He he does not put gas in the chainsaw. At least not that we see. No. And then you have to, like, I'm 98% sure you have to, like, mix it with stuff. (laughs) Like... (laughs) That's what I need. I need, like, a little behind-the-scenes part where he's just, like, fumbling to try and get the mix right so it starts. <laughs> That's the scene that I need. I just need, the, uh, yeah, the camera to be on him the entire movie. I need to see him when um, the older man in the wheelchair is, like, beating on the ground with a stick. I just want to see him, like, being downstairs in his fucking recliner and going, <sighs> and getting up <laughs> and grabbing his chainsaw and stomping up the stairs and then going into full leather face mode. I just want to see what he has to deal with. Okay, so I see him, like, in his recliner just staring up at the ceiling, right? (laughs) And he's just, like, ignoring it for the first, like, six beats. And then eventually he's like, Grandpa's not gonna stop. (laughs) (laughs) And he has to get up. Dude, I can't do. And then he, like, struggles to put on his, uh, like, his little apron. (laughs) You see him, like, fighting to find one of the strings. (laughs) I love it. I mean, can we also kind of talk about, really quick, just, like, iconic, like, the set pieces are, and, like, each location in this movie, like, it sticks out to me, and it's nice that this small, know-nothing town, like, only has, like, a few locations, because every location sticks out, like, I think they're all very memorable in their own way, and obviously Mm -hmm. the Hewitt's home is, like, a standout, like, it's a legendary house at this point, like, you can literally go and see it off in the distance and take pictures with it, which is a goal of mine, but, like, it's just... Just, like, the way it looks, like, just the structure of it in the middle of nowhere is just so haunting and so unsettling, especially the night shots of it. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's a horror, like, mainstay at this point. Like, that home is just, like, when you think of the Hewitt family and you think of Leatherface, I mean, you think of that home and you think of just, like, the way it looks in the night and it just looks so creepy. And But, I mean, you can also go to the original 1974 Leatherface house as well, the Hewitt family home there. Which is also something you can go and uh, take some pictures with. Which is also very memorable. I wish we had a nod to the scene where... Um, I can't remember her, her the character's name in the, the first movie. 
like in the original, but like she like darts out the front door and like Leatherface grabs her from behind and is yanking her back in. I wish we had that in this one. I fucking conic. Also the shot, God, the original still holds up and is so great. Um, The shot too, which is iconic at this point, (laughs) but the shot where she is in like the swing and she gets up and like she's walking towards the house and the shot obviously just follows her from underneath that like the fucking swing it's so simple but it's like so fucking cool that the shot goes underneath the swing and like it's just like following her from a low angle as she approaches the house and the house gets bigger and bigger and more daunting and haunting as she walks towards it and it's broad daylight and it's just so creepy and it's fantastic and um, honestly this movie is my favorite remake and i do think it it serves justice to the original but modernizes it for 2003 in a very successful way. And I just love both of those films so much. Absolutely. Um, I share the same sentiments. One day we'll have to talk about the original. Um, But I'm so glad we visited this one first. Yeah. And there's still, I don't know, I could talk about this movie more. Maybe we could do like a live reaction to it or something at some point and just like watch it live because I love it. I want to keep, I just, I want to watch it again, to be honest. I'm probably going to watch it again tonight before I go to bed. I love it that much. We love that for you. Um, but highly recommend. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. You should go watch it after you listen to this episode. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think um, we're going to have a lot of exciting things coming up in the next couple of months. So if you've made it this far with us, continue to do so because we're working on some stuff, man. Yeah, we really want to grow and just do more and be more, I guess. So like Stormy said, just be on the lookout. Things are going to be coming the next couple of months. We're going to be putting some work into some stuff and just hopefully making it more fun for you know, anybody who listens. And of course, thank you. We appreciate it. Obviously, um, you know, leave us a rating, share, subscribe, you know, show all the support you can because it really goes a long way for us. But where can everybody yeah. find us, Storm? This is the just the beginning. But for now, you can go back and you can follow us and all of those things. Um, we do have in all my links in our Twitter uh, bio. But you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the same handle at slash underscore her underscore pod. You can find us on Spottle. Spottle. <laughs> you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all kinds of things. Um, you can email us at slash her podcast at gmail.com if you have anything to say. Or if you would like to come join us, we'd love to have somebody on. So, yeah. And that's it, everybody. <laughs> we love you so much. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. Bye. Bye. Oh my god! Please cut the part about Lupita's voice because I sound like an idiot. <laughs> Why? I'm like mix the grudge in the ring and then add English. <laughs> <laughs> what okay i'll cut it and i was in bitch but my reaction you're like mix the the grudge in the ring and i was like (laughs) yeah yes honey that's exactly it baby yes